Welcome to the Exponential Podcast. My name is Peyton Jones, and as Exponential's content director, I'll be your guide through the curation of the world's largest multiplication library of resources and training. We currently have four shows running Monday through Thursday, each with a different thrust towards accelerating multiplication. On Monday, join us for front lines tackling current issues facing pastors and planners. On Tuesday, tune in for Biblically Speaking, Theological Foundations for Transformative Race Conversations. On Wednesdays, Ralph Moorhead's Practical Multiplication, A Pastor's Guide to Accelerating Multiplication. And lastly, Candid Conversations is on Thursday, Unpacking Definitions of Diversity. Be sure to catch them all as they will serve as equipping companions on your discipleship journey towards multiplication. Today, we'll be catching up with Ralph Moore and Myron Pierce on Practical Multiplication. Practical Multiplication highlights Exponential's core church multiplication frameworks with a focus on the everyday practical nature of how these concepts can help pastors and church planners make disciples and multiply churches. Now, let's join Ralph Moore and Myron Pierce. Hey, welcome to the Multiplication Conversations sponsored by Exponential. Uh, We're really glad that you're here. We're really glad that you have multiplication on your radar. We're thinking always about making disciples who make disciples and planting churches that plant churches. And so today we're kind of focusing on the whole idea of hero maker. And um, one of my heroes, a, a guy that I've been involved with for a little while, I maybe sort of started out mentoring him a little bit, but I learned so much from him, is Myron Pierce. And Myron, you know, introduce yourself to everybody and, and then we'll get off into our guests today. What's up, everybody? I don't know about you, but Ralph just lied to all of y'all. Uh, he's actually my hero. And we met a few years back uh, at Exponential. And I think the topic was Hero Maker. So this is fitting today. And uh, we are so excited, Ralph and I, to, to have uh, our friends Chuck and Andrew here. And I think today you'll be in for a treat. It's going to be really good. I, uh, I got in a little trouble with some folks in another country because I started trying to teach them what, I, what Myron's been teaching me. And it was like a little too fast for them. And they kind of, you know, I'm struggling with it right now. But the hero maker thing is real. And uh, there are so many people who labor under uh, feelings of insecurity. They're not getting from the people who are trying to mentor them. Uh, the kind of encouragement that, that, that Barnabas would have given to Saul or to John Mark. And so it, it's this I see in you uh, element in what we call hero making, making somebody else be the hero in my story. And uh, I, I found, you know, as a young man that uh, I, I needed leverage. I, I, I was in a Bible college where, you know, I couldn't sing, play a musical instrument, dance, do anything that everybody else was doing. And I thought, you know, limited gifts, what can I do to um, magnify whatever God gave me for the kingdom? And I, and I really quickly began to realize I, I, I need to invest in other people. And, and then it, it really became a, a kind of a, maybe a spiritual gift of encouragement. And so we're, we're seeing that. And so I've had some uh, interaction with a really wonderful church called Hill Country Bible Church in Austin, Texas. And uh, Pastor Tim Hawks is a good friend. And I got a chance to be with the staff for uh, oh, three or four months, uh, occasionally meeting together. And during that time, I, I came to know Chuck Barber really well and, uh, and Andrew Slack. And they have had some, uh, and I see you in, in you relationship. And so we want to talk about that a little bit. So Chuck, why don't you kind of start out by telling us who you are, what you do, what your role is in the church, 
and and then yeah just go from there yeah thanks ralph and uh thanks for having me on exponential today exponential has been a huge impact in my life and uh what what things that i'm going to share today come out of the experiences and the growth that I've had with the Exponential Conferences and the Hero Maker book, and and uh, I'm really thankful for that and appreciate you having us here today. Uh, my background, I came out of the business world and, um, and then came on staff at Hill Country Bible Church from the business world. And going back to the time that I came to faith in Christ, I really gained a vision for disciple making at that time and decided that that's what I was going to focus on in the course of my life no matter what my vocation or career was, uh, that I would focus on making disciples. And that led me to being on staff at the church. I've done many different roles. Uh, right now I'm in the small groups ministry as one of the small groups pastors, but I also have responsibilities in the area of disciple making and evangelism for the whole church. That's good. That's good. And so how did you come to know Andrew and, and what's your relationship with him? Yeah, I, I, um, uh, my wife and I have been heavily vested in working with young married couples over the years. Uh, my, own, my own personal purpose statement is to disciple and develop the next generation of leaders for the kingdom of Christ. And so my wife and I are always on the lookout for young married couples. We've been involved in, in uh, uh, counseling uh, or premarital counseling, and we've been involved in young married small groups. We've led them. We've been mentor couples in those groups. And several years ago, uh, we became a little bit uneasy that we weren't involved enough in aggressively developing and multiplying young married leaders. And so we decided to start a new young married small group and we agreed that we would start praying for at least two couples that from the beginning would agree to be apprentice leaders. So at some point they would develop into being small group leaders uh, themselves. And we would start a new small group with the DNA of multiplication and having apprentices in place as we started from the beginning. And shortly after we started praying, God brought Andrew and his wife Kat along and we met them on a Sunday morning in church and uh, I viewed them as an answer to prayer, and I told them that, and I told them we were starting a new small group, and I wanted them to pray about being apprentice leaders, and that really started our relationship. That's really great. You know, I, um, I get really frustrated a lot. I, I, I talk to a lot of pastors, a lot of churches, and this um, intent to make disciples with, with multiplication as a foundation underneath what we're doing I, I don't find in lots and lots of places. I, you know, I struggle with how you can be a pastor and not be leading a group of disciples. And I see a lot of uh, lead pastors, a lot of staff pastors. They want nothing to do with what you just described, which is really pretty simple thing. And then I, I see a lot of people who their deal is, well, we want to make disciples, which means we want to kind of get them to where, you know, they're reading the Bible every day and, and praying a little bit. Now we've done our deal. And this the idea of, of building multiplication into that. And, um, you know, I, I've seen so much of this in, in places where it's really, really fruitful. And uh, I see it in you. I see it in your heart. So tell us a little bit about, um, uh, about how, how, 
I mean, what do you see in Andrew after, I mean, obviously you met him, you felt his answer to prayer, but what is there in the guy? And then I want to kind of flip it over to Myron because I think he's going to, uh, I love the way Myron asks probing questions. And yeah, so we'll go yeah. from there. That's good. Yeah, that's pretty easy because somebody like Andrew and his wife Kat come along and, and they just, they just uh, drip with passion for Christ and growing in Christ and, and are sort of like what we would consider a spiritual sponge. They're ready, they're eager, they want to learn. Uh, uh, you talk to them about commitment and they respond. You can see it in their eyes. And, uh, and I saw that in, in Andrew and Kat and really immediately knew that the, this couple could easily lead a small group. And it was very easy for me then to talk to them about becoming apprentices and, and eventually leading a group themselves. So, Myron, you got anything you want to toss in there? No. Um, yeah, I, I do. Chuck, I, I want to probe a little deeper because you said something <laughs> um, that sparked my curiosity. You said, I, I am always on the lookout. Yes. For, for leaders. Could you maybe speak to our audience a little bit about, about that? Unpack that a little bit. How? What does that look like? What does that feel like? Yeah. How are you always on the lookout? What does that What does that mean? Yeah, that's a good one. That's a baseline commitment that drives me every day. So on Sunday mornings when I'm in church, uh, I I am always on the lookout intentionally for people like Andrew and Kat, for young married couples. What I would what I would think would be newly married or young married couples. And in the small group ministries, I have responsibility for that demographic and multiplying small groups within that demographic. So my wife and I are constantly looking around on Sunday mornings for young married couples. Uh, we've set up a system in our church where if a young married couple comes in and they're looking for a small group, those names come to us and then we can work at placing them in different groups or bringing them into our own groups. But Myron, I'm glad you asked that question because it's all about intentionality. We, we intentionally look for that demographic. So one of the things that when you think about multiplication, um, I've heard, I've heard it said a system is anything you do twice. Um, so what systems do you have in place um, that help you identify leaders like Andrew? And then how do you get people on board to, to drink that type, to drink the multiplication Kool-Aid? Yeah. Yeah. It's um, uh, systematically, we have a way that people can self-identify if they're looking for a small group. We have di many different ways, a website, a Sunday morning connect card, uh, uh, a group finder, that sort of thing. And then we have what we call small group connectors that receive those names and, and can uh, place people in small groups. And we, we personally put ourselves in, in those systems uh, to find people like Andrew and Kat. Um, we have others that we talk to that we see as leaders of young married small groups. And it, that's a recruiting effort there. And, and so I've got, I've got recruiting efforts going on with a pipeline of leaders coming up. But the main thing is, is just to capture, capture young married couples and have them in small groups that really have a multiplication DNA and be constantly 
uh, uh, talking about that and saying that's coming, it's coming in the future, we're going to multiply, our goal is to multiply, and we do that. And uh, so, so just at the beginning of the year, the small group that I was in with Andrew and several other young married couples got so big that it became obvious that we had to multiply. So at that point, we split three ways, and Andrew and some guys went off one way, and some other couples went off another way, and we split into three small groups, and then we restarted, we restarted a new small group, and we now have seven young married couples in that new small group. So that, that's speaks a little bit to the system, but also to, it's really more about people and how we reach people and plant that DNA early in their lives. Wow. And another thing, Myron, is we, we look at multiplications at different levels. We're heavily involved in church planting, so we're multiplying churches. Uh, we've multiplied campuses of our church, um, uh, and we have a, we have a very aggressive disciple-making process with hundreds of people involved in making disciples and, and multiplying disciples. But we tend to kind of overlook the small group area. We, we think in small groups that that's a place where people just come and get comfortable with their best buds and spend a lot of time there. Uh, and we're really, we're really working hard at, at injecting multiplication DNA into our small groups and seeing multiplication at the small group level. Mm. When you think about DNA, Andrew, uh, when Chuck first, you and Chuck first had a conversation, uh, what was going through your mind when he was having this I see in you conversation? Yeah, I, I didn't really know this acronym until a few days ago, but it's, it's totally obvious now when I think back on it, because um, really when he said leadership, like um, we're looking for young couples that want to grow and someday lead a small group. That was, that was it. I was sold. I, I mean, that was, that was the first time that, you know, somebody had really said, Hey, I want to help you um, use your God given talents and skills uh, to, to go out and lead in some capacity. And so until that point, that was really, um, you know, I, I, I didn't really know my role um, in, in this, in God's kingdom here on earth. I don't know. I didn't know my role. And so until that moment, like, yeah, that moment was, was like, okay, cool. I'm on board. Hmm. Let's do this. So you the know, leadership when he's, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead and finish your thought. Yeah. When he said that leadership part, that was, that was a, that was a far cry for what, you know, I've been feeling for a long time and uh, just never really had anybody come alongside and come alongside and really, want to uh be intentional like you said and and help me get there because uh, i wanted to i just you know didn't know how right you know i you know ralph mentioned it earlier but him and i um have been vibing over the last couple of years and one of the things that i've, I've found important to multiplication important to icnu conversations is friendship and not just friendship, but he alluded to it. He, he said that I was his hero, and, and, and that, that's a little humbling for me. But within that, there's this idea of, hey, I can learn from you. So could you talk to us about in the hero-making process of making disciples, raising up leaders, planting churches, either you or Chuck, can you talk to us about the role that friendship plays and the role that reciprocal learning plays in and learning from one another. 
Go ahead, Chuck. Yeah, I can speak to that. Based on our meeting last Saturday, Andrew, I think that kind of summed it up. Uh, we really did get very close in our small group. Uh, when you're when you're heavily invested in people, and and you're ministering in the name of Christ, and you're on mission together, you develop a friendship. And and what seems to be kind of awkward, uncomfortable uncomfortable at first, me being much older and these and these guys being in their 20s and newly married uh, kind of washes away over time as you become really good friends. And Myron, you have to know too that not only were we in a small group together for a couple of years, but but I was personally discipling Andrew and two other guys on another morning of the week. And so we spent gobs of time together. Uh, mm. Talking about personal issues and spiritual issues and spiritual disciplines and our practices in in our spiritual growth and evangelism and making disciples, uh, we spent gobs of time together. And we, uh, I'm now handing Andrew off to our church planning director, Eric Creekmore, and and Eric is helping Andrew go to a place that's way beyond just our small group, and that's to aggressively reach into his apartment complex and workplace uh, to gather people together. And Andrew and Kat have even started a Sunday morning uh, kind of a church service in their in their apartment complex um, where they go to the online church and then discuss it uh, together. And we had a meeting, he and two other guys and I had a meeting Saturday afternoon, this last Saturday afternoon, talking about Andrew multiplying out of that small group and starting a new missional small group in their apartments and, and in his workplace. And and I walked away from that meeting Saturday afternoon and 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 I told my wife how comfortable I was in the midst of these young people and how, what a joy it was to be involved at that, with them at this deep level. And, and I, I felt like we all just felt like we were brothers and part of the same family. And it was just awesome. So, Andrew, do, do you have, I mean, Myron and I have done a lot of work uh, on, in terms of materials that we produce. I'm, I'm a retired pastor. Uh, actually, uh, I'm on staff you know, volunteer staff at a, at a Wesleyan church right now, but I um, did a lot of this when I was younger. Myron is planting churches right and left, um, not only in Omaha where he lives, but across the United States and across the world. Um, my, some of them are micro churches. They're digital. They, they tend to, to be much like what you're doing, what Chuck just described that you're doing in the apartment. But where, where do you see the, I mean, not necessarily for you. Maybe you don't go there. But where do you see this could go for the Church of Jesus Christ? What you're doing in the apartment, what you're doing in the fire station, uh, what what opportunities are, is this pregnant with? That's a question I think I wrestle with pretty often. Um, I guess to give a little backstory, this is, I mean, I, I am a firefighter. This is, I'm, I'm just a, I'm just a lay person that, that said yes. And uh, so a lot of this is flying by the seat of my pants, but on but um, I'm really, really encouraged to inspire other people. I think um, that seeing that on a very small level right now in the neighborhood, um, seeing that in my workplace, seeing how guys are, 
really holding on tight to this stuff and wanting more of it is just inspiring. Um, I, I, I just think that we could have um, a church come out of Pflugerville Fire Department down here in Austin. I think a church could come out of my neighborhood and my apartment complex. I mean, why, why wouldn't I think that? I mean, it's already, God's already shown me so much in such a little time that how could I, how could I not dream big um, about this? So I don't know how to answer your question. I'm just, like I said, just saying yes today and trying to be obedient and uh, looking for opportunities, just like Chuck kind of alluded to earlier, but, yeah, I mean, I'm all about dreaming big. I see the I see the mission pretty clear. I think so. So, Myron, um, if you could respond to um, Andrew just said he, he's got these dreams. He's wrestling. Obviously, the spirit's working on his brain. And then he said, "I'm just a layperson." Um, <laughs> Myron, respond to what you think when somebody says, "Oh, I'm just a layperson." What you feel? You know, I think, I think with where God has, you know, positioned Andrew in relationship with Chuck and others, I think what God is trying to do is, is see that, no, I actually think you're more than that. And when you look at, when I think about the New Testament church, we give a lot of credit to Peter. We give a lot of credit to Paul. But there are some some faceless, normal, everyday Christians who happen to get caught up in persecution and they take the gospel further. They actually obey the Great Commission. And, and I think even for you, Andrew, and people like you and us, um, think, I think that's what God is looking for. Like, I think he, he's not looking for extraordinary people. He's looking for extraordinary obedience. And, and I think it reminds me of, you know, Ephesians 3.20, where it talks about God's able to do exceedingly abundantly above. And I think part of the question behind Ralph, Ralph is an agitator. <laughs> he, he loves to agitate the dreams of God on the inside of ordinary people. And it's a question of permission. And so I, I fan into flame the audacity to be normal, but also the audacity to dream. And, the, and, and Dave Ferguson talks about this in his book. He talks about in Hero Maker, I mean, the first step of multiplication thinking. I still can remember I was in Chicago with Dave and a few of his leaders. And, um, and, and he did this at the conference as well, but he talks about the, the napkin that he pulled out, right, um, about the churches he can plant, that they can plant. And he had us go through this exercise and say, hey, how many churches do you think you plant? And he says, okay, multiply that times a thousand, you know. And for those who are watching now, we don't know. I don't know. We don't know what dreams you have, but I think we get into trouble when we start thinking small. And, and I think when we – begin as Dave talks about getting into multiplication thinking the the opportunities become endless because we start thinking like God you know and and so man when I think about the context you're in you're a firefighter I think about you're married the relationships you have it's the perfect 
storm <laughs> the rain on the devil's parade. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, totally. So respond to him, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean the 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 unseen ripple behind what's going on is is infinite, impossible to comprehend. It, I I. But I, I, but I believe, man, when I talk to people, like when I'm talking to people at the fire station, I'm saying, hey, I believe in a year from now, you guys could be leading your own men's Bible studies or Bible studies or small groups or whatever. Um, so this is the mission. I mean, the first day we met was like, hey, this is the mission. This is the vision of this men's Bible study that Matthew 28, that's what we're, that's we're going to be about. You know, like we're going to walk through this. You know, we're going to walk through John right now, but there's a goal here. <laughs> it's not just to do the homework and then go close your Bible and go about your day. It's, it's like, man, there's, there are people out there that are desperately needing to have you pour into them that you work with, that you could have a huge impact on. Um, and I believe that. I, I, yeah. Cause again, look, I'm an example of this and, and it's, it's just like guys like Chuck that are bridging that gap for guys like me that say, hey, you have a role to play. You can do this. That's the difference. You know, to me, um, we've, we've sold ourselves short, the church in general. Uh, and, and one of, the, one of the, the little red flags in my mind is when I hear a word that I used to use a lot and you just did use and that a term Bible studies because we're an exponential. We're learning to begin to redefine church around the concept of, of micro church. Now we understand that there can be, will be big churches, uh, your church, Hill country Bible church. Uh, Tim wrote a book called saturate Austin. I know that's really on everybody's mind there uh, to try to get the gospel everywhere in Austin. But I think that that uh, the when we when we categorize something as a Bible study, it's less than it could be. There's less commitment. There's usually a, a, a terminus to it. it it's going to get over after we get through John. Uh, maybe we'll start something new. Maybe we'll take a break. Whatever. If that's a micro church, then there that it, it just demands commitment from one member to another. It almost demands, does demand, uh, a, a sense of multiplication, that this group is going to go forward, but this group is also going to multiply. And I, I think that um, one, one of the problems that so many people are having right now with COVID is get back in the building, you know, and all these arguments, and you go on Facebook, there's all this anger among Christians, and, you know, some people whining about, we got, we can't do church until we can go back and do church, and and here you guys, in, in your congregation, you're doing church. You never stopped. Um, Myron, as soon as the thing hit, they've, they've expanded to uh, like 12 times as large as they were before COVID, and they're around the planet doing this thing. So I think that um, that I believe, I don't believe that God caused COVID, but I believe that God is, in a Romans 8, 28 way, uh, using COVID for those who have ears to hear. Uh, to redefine the church and to redeploy the church into places that it wouldn't be otherwise. And so, I, you know, I, I don't want to, I'm, I'm yammering a lot today. I don't want to 
keep Myron out of this because he usually has the deeper insights. But Chuck, I, I know you and I talked some time ago um, about the microchurch and about you were thinking maybe God's, you, you know, that you'd be bivocational. You work for this big church, but then you do a, a microchurch on the side. Uh, what, what, what Myron and I are calling freelance. Uh, you be, you're a side hustle pastor while you work for this large church that feeds your family. Um, talk, talk your way through that one a little bit. Yeah, thanks, Ralph. That that wasn't. I don't remember that being exactly the conversation, but I can certainly <laughs> I can certainly speak to that uh, for sure. Uh, it's uh, I know I know when we multiplied into three small groups, and I started a new young married small group. We immediately picked up several couples, and we're up to eight couples now. We meet on Zoom every week, and uh, we're just having a great time. and And they're talking about inviting more people into it. And, uh, and, and I, I look at that and I ask myself, do I see a church there? And the answer, of course, is yes. I see a church. I see the church there. Uh, whether I would become the pastor of a micro church to me is probably less relevant than how is it that I see the church there? And so my charter is a small group pastor and multiplying small groups. And whether that particular small group at some point in time becomes a mini church, I don't know that. But I look at my small group and I ask myself, what do I see? And what I see is I see a church that has a pastor, that has an executive pastor, that has a worship leader, that has teachers that has children's ministry directors and connection directors and things like that. And, and I see everything there right now in the leadership capabilities, gifts, and capacities that are in that, in that group. And, uh, and so, and so again, whether that at some point becomes a micro church, I don't know right now. My charter is to lead the small group and multiply small groups. But I guess one thing that God put on my heart to say to the audience today was, what is it that you see when you sit in your small group? Who do you see there? And what do you see them becoming? And where do you see this thing going? And do you see, do you see the church? Do you see future leadership of the church in that group? And how is it that you're going to help them get there? And that's what, that's what drives me and keeps me going is seeing these young people. And I tell them over and over again, just like I told Andrew, you are the future leadership of this church. And we need to prepare you to get there. And you're going to get there. And you might be leading a small group. Maybe not. You might be leading somewhere else. But we need to help you get there. That's our job, according to Ephesians 4. Chuck, I'm so glad that you, you brought um, you said something I find that um, isn't in the leadership tool belt of, of, of some pastors um, because we're, you know, because we, we oftentimes as senior leaders or leaders in some type of capacity are always telling others what 
at the expense or neglect of asking other people what they see. Mm-hmm. And it reminds me of uh, when God asked Jeremiah, who was, what, about 17 years old, what do you see? And I think that's the key to being a hero maker, or at least one of them, being able to ask, what do you see? Why do you feel like it's so hard to, 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 to switch into the role of facilitator yeah. when it comes to asking those type of questions? Yeah, that's a great question, Myron. And I thought about that. If you just take a look at the kind of the tagline for this webinar today, what did the tagline say? Uh, uh, Diminish your hero or hero maker. That's, that's, to me, that's part of the answer to your question. Um, uh, do, are we in this to develop and deploy other people into the future for the church, for the kingdom of Jesus Christ, or are we, that's a hero maker, or are we a hero? Is it all about us? And is it all about our gifts and the credit that we get, or are we a diminisher? And I I was plagued by that word the last couple of days trying to figure out, okay, what did they mean when they said diminisher? And to me, where I landed was, we have a lot of people that just sit around and complain all the time about the church and the leadership and, and what's wrong and, you know, everything's negative and on and on and on. So that's part of being diminisher. The other part of being a diminisher in my mind, what I see is, is we just have a lot of consumers. We have people that come in and eat the food and, and, and leave and don't contribute to the meal at all. And, uh, and I think that's, that's, there's not a net neutral here. Either you're moving forward and building or you're consuming and taking away and diminishing things. And so I think, I think my view of the answer to that is, is just being in it. We're servant leaders, so we're in it to build others for the kingdom of Christ. And it's not about us and about our consuming or our needs. Mm. Andrew, I want to shoot the, shoot the, um, pass the ball to you. What do you do as a leader to keep growing? What are you learning nowadays that's important for leaders to are listening or watching? Yeah. Uh, one thing I do, well, I've, I've been blessed to be able to partake in is a, um, is a, a discipleship group of guys that are a lot older than me. So right now I'm being discipled by a, a pastor and his 40s and then a couple other guys that are in their 40s and and so for me uh, it's very humbling and so anytime I can become be be in an environment that's humbling um, as a leader that's uh, that's equipping me as a leader because as I'm learning um, the the lower I bring myself down and 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 uh, can can see where God's hand fingerprints are I think as a leader uh, that'll inspire more people to to you know, hopefully follow me as I follow Christ. So being in the environment with other leaders or other leaders that are older than me that I can learn from, um, because again, I, I'm just a firefighter here. I, I don't have any Bible uh, college background. I'm just learning. I'm learning this uh, as I go. So uh, I'm like Chuck said. I, I yeah. do take a lot of notes. Spiritual sponge, definitely. Like that's that's the key because 
um, write everything down, bring my notebook everywhere. Uh, when you meet with people, like when I meet with Chuck, when I meet with other pastors, I bring my notebook. I have questions for them. I want to learn mm-hmm. how to go, how to navigate through life and life as a leader, as God is using me in different capacities. Man, I, I stumble and fall and I have questions. I want to, I want to be better. I want to, I want to help others. And I have questions. Yeah. So I bring my notebook everywhere. So that's just a couple things that I think mm. will help anybody. Let me tell you a quick story, Myron, about Andrew. Uh, when he and two other guys were in a discipleship group that I had uh, a couple of years ago, um, uh, the agenda of the day was to start working through how we share our testimony or how we came to faith in Christ. And so we started down that path uh, when, we, when we met early in the morning, and all of a sudden Andrew says, hey, I'm meeting with a friend of mine who just got fired from the fire department. I'm meeting with him this afternoon. What do I, what do I even say to this guy? And so we stopped the group. We pushed all the notes off the table. And I said, okay, here's what you say to the guy. Number one, empathize with him. Tell him you're very sorry and that you're on his side and you're going to support him. Number two, share the gospel with him. So I drew the bridge illustration out on a piece of paper. And I said, I said, find out where he is spiritually and just and share the gospel with the guy. And Andrew took all the notes down. He'd never seen the bridge illustration. He'd never done it before. He took all the notes down. And, uh, and that afternoon, yeah. when he got together with a guy, he shared the gospel with him as part of the conversation. So that's the kind of learner that Andrew is. That's what we're looking for in terms of multiplying disciples. <laughs> that's this wonderful. I, I'd love for. Go ahead. Um, even as we're talking about, yeah, as we're as we're talking about multiplying disciples, I'm Ralph to share the story of how you know, as as hopeful, what did disciple making look like, and then we'll love the pastor Rocky Andrew as you. Sure. To me, um, at the heart of what we did was um, what we called mini church, different than what we're calling micro church. Micro church is potential of being an autonomous congregation or semi-autonomous, whatever. Mini church was, uh, you know, we 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 were in the Word. We on the weekend, uh, seldom topical, mostly just through the Bible. My hope was, I I don't want these people to remember what a good sermon I preached. I want them to know the Bible well enough that they can source it on their own. And then we, we built this model where we would get together and talk about what did the Spirit say to you while you were in the Word with the pastor on the weekend? So that we're asking people to have a certain, um, put your life out there in front of other people. So be open, uh, be transparent. Uh, what are you going to do about it? Which now, now it starts to, you know, there's something to this. But then and I, I think I do a pretty poor job of talking about this because there's a whole lot more involved. Um, there's, there's a guy named uh, Mike Kai in Hawaii who I think he's now pastoring like 25,000 people since COVID. They, they were about 7,000 before. And he's done stuff that I'll never dream of doing. But uh, I interviewed him recently. It's going to come up on my podcast uh, perhaps this week. But you know, I, I taught the guy how to beat nails in, in his house. I, I taught him how to uh, landscape his yard. I, I taught him how to don't buy a new car. 
uh, buy a five-year-old car because you lose the depreci- don't lose the depreciation, and here's where to put the money that you saved. And I taught them how to invest, and uh, I, I I taught them things about marriage and family because he he'd been divorced, had a baby, and was divorced at age 20. A real broken person when I met him, and. I think that disciple making has to be built around the word. Um, I, I prefer it to be around the word of God rather than uh, something that we're studying together uh, because uh, we'll never get enough of the word. And, and I think that um, one of the things that we experienced was when we open ourselves up to somebody else's little book or whatever it is that they're wanting to, to, to bring in. Some, some people bring weird books into the thing. We don't want that. We want the word. And, uh, but I think it, it has to share life. There has to be a lot of coffee drink or a lot of, a lot of you know beer foamed or whatever there is. But that um, we're hanging out together, and and that it's what you guys have described. That there's there's a transfer of life that goes on that's uh, far beyond um, you know the structure of the church. So I think Myron's question was to throw that back at you guys. That, Go ahead, Chuck. Who wants to take it up? Uh, I'm embarrassed. I lost track of the question. <laughs> oh, my gosh. The question was, respond to what Ralph just said. What was that again, Ralph? I said the question that Myron asked was for you guys to respond to what I just said. Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, uh, uh, I've been thinking about this the last a lot the last couple of days, just the relational element of disciple making and the life on life and how important and essential that is in spending time together and doing things together. Uh, in Andrew's case, uh, I've been interacting with a non-believer and I brought him into those conversations and he, he then participated with me in talking uh, to, to the non-believer and what I shared and he gets an idea of of what that looks like, you know, and, and we were, we were in a restaurant the other day and Andrew, I didn't know Andrew was going to be there, but I was there and he walks in and I got to meet one of the guys that he's starting to disciple. So I'm in, I'm in the middle of his relationships and, and, you know, we've spent hours and hours and hours hanging out both in our small group, uh, one-on-one and in the context of a discipleship group with two other guys. And, and it's really, we've spent a major part of our lives together over the last couple of years. So I just, I can't stress the relational part of it enough. Yeah, um, for, for those, yeah, Andrew, go ahead, man. How would you respond to that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's crazy to think back and then to be in this conversation and talk about it. It seems like it was just yesterday that all that was going down, but uh it just makes sense. I mean, it's just, you think like, and I agree with everything Chuck says. It's, you know, uh, I was talking to the guy from work in our Bible study we we're having the other day. And, and we were talking about this whole idea of disciple and, and, and somebody brought up like, man, well, these disciples of Jesus, they were with him all the time. And, and, and man, we're at work. We're at work on 24 hour shifts. We're with these other guys for 24 hours of our life. Like, man, think about like us being a disciple maker there and discipling guys Mm -hmm. and gals there. Like what a, what an opportunity for us because we're already hanging out with somebody. I mean, I spend so much time with these people. Um, and so often we, uh, as you know, as working in that environment, we just, you know, 
don't have any sort of uh, relationship with those people. And so these guys, like I'm already, uh, it's already starting to form in their brains. Like discipling somebody is not just a thing you graduate from. Like it's mm. process, like it's this class you take and then now you're yeah. done, you got your certificate. Um, it's a lifelong thing you're doing with people and these guys are already seeing it. And so, yeah. That's good, man. Hey, Chuck or, or Andrew, uh, tons of people are, um, will, will catch this replay and there are even people now that are live with us. What do, what do you, what would you want people to know walking away from this conversation um, that you'd want them to think about and uh, ruminate over time and time again? And um, what would you want them to learn, walk away with? And what would you want them to, to do? I would want people to take Jesus Christ seriously when he said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men and understand that that ties to Matthew 28, go therefore and make disciples of all nations and get involved in it, enter into it and with the idea that you're going to multiply. When you disciple someone, you're discipling them to also disciple others and keep it simple. Get a, get a simple, clear definition and a mm. simple approach and get involved and learn it. Uh, the only way you can learn this stuff is on-the-job training, and you have to wade into it. You have to have a simple definition, a simple way to do it, and wade into it and learn it with wow. the goal of multiplying. So wow. that, that's what I would say. Reproduction. Mm. Hey Chuck, um, I, I have a question that just keeps rattling around in my brain. There's a lot of people who are watching this who are, they've never multiplied church, but they would like to. Mm -hmm. And they're intimidated. Um, I mean, we talked last week with uh, Zach Nazarian from Hope Chapel in Hermosa Beach about, you know, he took over as the pastor when I left and suddenly there, there's this, um, there's this whole thing of you got to keep multiplying churches. This is what we do. And in those days, we didn't see it as a church thing, big C church. We saw it as a small C church. It's us. God gave us this job. Mm. So it put a lot of pressure on him. But he, you know, they did it, and oh my gosh, they really did it. But there were there was tension involved. So there's a lot of people that are fearful, you know, if I give away money, if I give away people, if I, you know, do this, if I do that, if uh, <clears throat> I talked to some people who they were frustrated because, well, we're not trained well enough. We didn't go to seminary, you know. So here you guys are, Hill Country Bible, uh, you, you've planted dozens of churches over the years. What, and, and maybe you, this will be hard to answer. I, I don't know. I mean, it, it's just, but it's just nagging at me. Now, not putting a straight jacket on Andrew, okay? So I am not a prophet. I am not <laughs> directing your life. This is not the Holy Spirit talking. We're in a conversation. We're looking for an illustration for somebody else, okay? So no pressure, Andrew. But, Chuck, what, what would happen in the way, the way Hill Country is right now? I, I mean, you, you, you mentioned um, Eric Creekmore, who oversees church planting, um, you're, you're overseeing small groups. How, how, where, how does a person proceed from kind of your department into Eric's department and on out the door, which I guess is in a sense, Tim's department. Uh, how, how does that work? 
And then can you dumb it down for me if I've only got 80 people in my church? So, so start out where you guys are at in the stratosphere and then bring it back down to where the little guy can use it. That's, that's a great question, Ralph. And that's exactly what we're trying to figure out right now. I think, I think the baseline to that is, is that we're really trying to break down silos between ministries and integrate more together between ministries and leverage, leverage each ministry's uh, charter and strengths to get that job done and pass things along. So because of that, it's very natural for me to start with Andrew and Kat and develop them in the context of a small group and for them to multiply a small group. And then it was at, a, at an exponential conference that I invited Andrew and some other guys to where Andrew met Eric Creekmore, which started a different relationship that then, then Eric picks up on. And it's very common for us to be uh, uh, passing leaders around uh, between ministries uh, for the sake of developing the person rather than, rather than uh, uh, um, uh, adherence to our programs, our own programs and ministries, we're trying to force ourselves to become more, uh, more sensitive to the need of the person and to actually send people out. Uh, our charter, that, and that's another philosophical thing, I think, baseline to this is we don't want, we, we don't want to be in the frame of mind of holding on to people. We want to send people out. We want to live out Acts 1-8 in Matthew 28 and, uh, and, and be giving people away, even to our detriment. The last time we planted a couple of churches, we had a huge leadership drain on our church, and that really hurt us. But, but we've got to trust God and have faith that, that it's him and his mission that's important. And, and we have to send people out. And then that gives us the impetus then to recruit and build and mobilize more leaders. That, that's kind of the bigger picture. Uh, the, the micro picture, I think, Ralph, in answer to your question is just to keep everybody open between ministries. You know, in a small church, it's easier because everybody knows each other. And, and you, there's a lot of fluidity as the church gets bigger, then it starts getting more structured and there's more silos and everybody's, everybody's vying for stage time and resources and money and all this other stuff. And it's like, how can you keep things fluid between ministries where there's this open-handedness to give people away, to develop people and give them away to God's purposes rather than my program? That's good. So underneath it all is a cultural issue, I think. Yes, definitely. I drop. The things I think is, is, is wrong with the church in America is that we've, you know, it comes back to the mission of exponential. We've, built for 40 years an addition-based culture you know get more people here more more yeah. dollars in the offering and, that, and that's the end of it and um you guys uh, always paddle upstream against that and, and that's why you've done all that you've done but uh, i see so often it it comes back to you know people are going how, how do we multiply churches they see it as, a, as another program yeah. uh, i see it as no it depends on what's coming across the pulpit on sunday morning if people really understand the Great Commission and, and, and Matthew 4 and they understand the, the book of Acts and, and Ephesians, well, it's a no-brainer. This is what we're supposed to be doing, so let's yeah. do it. So, yeah, I, I really appreciate that. Thanks to our, Myron, thanks, to our thanks to our lead pastor, 
Um, Ralph, we have a core value in our church that we want to benefit and help the greater greater body of Christ in Austin and the world uh, because we have a commitment to the church, not just our church, but the church. And that's something that we have talked about a lot and have a high commitment to be active in helping other churches and helping the greater church. So let me just interject something here for people who are watching. Write this down. The pastor's name is Tim Hawks. The church is Hill Country Bible Church in Austin, Texas. And I believe the free book that you can get from Exponential by Tim is called Saturate Austin. Is, is that right, Chuck? Do you have a copy? Can, I do. Please hold it up. If you, uh, I don't have oh, it you right here with me. A water bottle. Okay. Yeah, yeah I threw a curve at you. I'm sorry. But it's Saturate Austin. Copy. Yeah, it's it's an ebook. It, you go to exponential.org, look under resources, ebooks, and do a search for Tim's name or just keep plowing through until you find Saturate Austin. These guys have done a phenomenal job of this and they're committed to it. And, and again, it's 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 a culture bender. And I think it would it'll be really useful to you. Ralph, one, oh. one practical thing, and this might be a tip for bigger churches, um, uh, in, our, in our department, so to speak, the small group ministry team, we've, all of the pastors have made a commitment that we're going to lead at four different levels in the church. One is we're a pastor. Two is that we coach small group leader coaches. Three, um, we coach small group leaders, and number four, we lead small group. Well, really, it's five, and we disciple people. So we're pastors, we're coaches, we're small group leaders, and we're disciple makers. And those are the four levels of leadership that we're committed to be involved in all the time. And so that helps would drive you, us forward with multiplication. Would you, would you come back and say that again? quite slowly so people can take notes and I'm going to take notes too okay. so that I know that you're going slow enough that other people can write it down because do this it. is where I meet a lot of resistance. Yeah. Uh, and what it comes down to is in Hope Chapel, when, when I was leading, if you're a janitor, you had to be leading a small group or you didn't qualify to be a janitor in our church. I, I mean, we, we make disciples and make disciples. And if you're not doing it, yeah. uh, you can go down and work someplace else. So I get a lot of pushback, uh, oddly, from sometimes from staff pastors who they're paid by the church. I was talking to a guy in a small church, a church of about 200 the other day, and he's just lamenting. He goes, and I knew exactly who he was talking about. He, he, he didn't need to name the guy. But he goes, you know, even if I pay these people, they won't do, you know. Uh, and he was talking about making disciples. And it's like, you know. So anyway, give us those five. Okay. So so our commitment, all of the small group pastors have a commitment to lead at four levels. Okay. Number one is we're pastors, which means we pastor coaches. Number two, we're small group leader coaches. That means we coach small group leaders. Number three, we lead a small group ourselves. So we're small group leaders. And number four, we're disciple makers. We always have a group we always have a discipleship group, a group of guys that we're discipling. And we're discipling okay. them so that they'll make disciples. So that's four levels of leadership. That's really good. That's that really drives good. multiplication. I, yeah. Yeah. You get that one down, and, and multiplication isn't a 
a problem or a question. So Myron, what are you thinking? Could you, before we close, Chuck, um, how, how long would, does it take to get through a, a discipleship process with, with your church? Particularly if somebody would become a church planter. Oh, wow. What's that, what's, what's that length of time on average? A lot of people, Myron, ask us when we're talking to them about coming into a discipleship group, they ask the question, how long does this take? And my answer is, how committed to Christ are you going to be? <laughs> and so mm -hmm. it's very, very difficult to say. So it, as long as Andrew's here, let's just talk about Andrew. So you guys, Andrew, you showed up, what, two and a half, two and a half, three years ago. And shortly after you arrived at the church, we met. And then we started talking to you about getting into a small group and, and being an apprentice leader. And then a couple of years after that, along with being in the small group and being an apprentice, then you were, you were in my discipleship group. So that was a total of about two years. And then you multiplied out uh, uh, of our group. And then six months later, you're talking about multi multiplying out a missional group that might become a church. So, the whole, that whole process might be, mm. what, four years maybe if it ends up in you starting a microchurch. Um, I would say that's, that's on the quick side on average for sure. Uh, uh, one thing we're working on, Myron, that, we're, that we don't have down is, is a tighter process of really following people through and giving them what they need to get to entering leadership to becoming a a, a an elder or, or a pastor or a, a ministry leader or a missionary or something like that. And we just, we don't, we don't have a strict timeline where we know roughly how long it takes to, to move there. I wish I had a tighter answer for you, but I just don't. Mm. Well, that's okay. I think that's the beauty of being on a journey. I think that maybe time isn't as important as there, there being a pathway and that, you, you know, if you can delineate and a, a lot of churches are kind of all over the map. We do this and we do this and we do this and they don't really relate to each other. And I, I'm reading a biography of Alexander Hamilton and basically the whole, the whole financial apparatus and how it interplays with the government in the United States what we call capitalism, came out of this one man's brain. And one of the things that, that happened was every, every element related to some other element. And there was this, this kind of a, almost a vertical integration. If you're going to do this, this is the path. If you're going to do this, this is the path. And um, I, I find especially a lot of smaller churches, they're just kind of all over the map. Uh, you guys have been together so long, you, you've, you're well-established, you know where you're going. And yet you're even saying it's, it, it, this is an issue. So, um, yeah, that, that's huge to me. We're making a lot of progress in that area, and we're very committed to um, our spiritual growth pathway that we've decided and our whole disciple-making process, and we're working on, we're, we're spending a lot of time on shoring up our whole leadership development process and catching people earlier and developing them quicker 
and so those are those are all really really fun and good things to work to be working on right now and and uh, that's that's been a really good process for us thanks to you ralph to your well, input everybody, well thank you but everybody pay attention to what chuck just said here's a church that's planted over and over and over everything we're talking about they do in in spades i mean they're incredible at this and then he's saying and we're really working on this. We're really trying to get better at this. And uh, so many of us are kind of just, oh, happy with the way things are, but nothing's really, you know, it's old deal. You, you keep doing what you always did. You're going to get what you always got. And here's somebody who has had some real success and um, huge success. And they're frustrated because they want to be better. I, I mean, we, we, there's something for us to learn from that. So I think we're just about out of time, and I just got a little thing in the chat room that said, hey, guys, be sure to give a shout-out to the roundtables at multiplication.org. You know, our country is being, you know, all kinds of conflict going on, all kinds of misunderstanding, uh, much of it over the racial issues that have been around for a real long time. Uh, other people have taken to the streets, and they've co-opted our message. Our, our message should have been to the church that we would have killed racism a long time ago. And so we're doing these roundtables. Uh, we're looking for 100 cities, 100 people each, to just sit around and listen to each other, because that's the answer, is that we hear what's in the other person's heart. And, uh, and we don't do it with slogans and politics, but we really get real. So that's it. Myron, you got anything else you want to say? Yeah, guys, be sure to head over to multiplication.org and check out those roundtables. There's a map of roundtables all over the country uh, and even global, I believe. So be sure to check that out. Uh, Chuck, Andrew, it's been uh, not enough time. Uh, I could spend a couple more hours with you guys, but we just want to, from Exponential to us, to you, we just want to say thank you so much for allowing us a little bit of time to peek into uh, how God's using you guys. So we appreciate you and look forward to connecting again. This fall, Exponential is hosting roundtable events in cities all across America. These half-day gatherings in smaller settings will allow church leaders to prioritize peer-to-peer -peer conversations and receive practical training on how to prepare their church to lead for racial reconciliation. Exponential roundtables will help you continue to pursue church multiplication in these challenging times. Find a roundtable near you this fall by visiting multiplication.org.